It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through the Tuesday edition of the program. It's a rough night. For my NFL team, Tennessee Titans got absolutely dominated by my Super Bowl pick, the Buffalo Bills. And uh, meanwhile, the Eagles fly, Eagle flies, uh, dominated against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll break down both those stories right off the top. Reminder, gambling picks will be up tomorrow uh, on OutKick for College Football. And I will be off to Knoxville this weekend for the Florida Gators going up against the Tennessee Volunteers. We will talk about that line tomorrow, but early preview. Tennessee is the biggest favorite over Florida that the Vols have ever been in my life. That line up to around 11, already moving towards 12 in some places. Needless to say, I am incredibly nervous about what might happen here. Uh, But let's start off what we learned Monday Night Football uh, Week 2 now in the books in the NFL The Bills are the best team in the NFL, and Josh Allen may well be the best quarterback in the NFL. Now, there are a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Certainly, Josh Allen is up there. Um, And this was just an evisceration. I watched this game, and I thought to myself, I'm even angrier at Ryan Tannehill for the loss against the Bengals. Because as a Titans fan, and as a Titans season ticket holder, you know the feeling when your team's window has closed. This Titans team was 12-5 and last year, number one overall seed. All they had to do was beat the Cincinnati Bengals, and they would have hosted a home AFC playoff game. They were good enough to win the Super Bowl last year if things had broken in their way. Probably wouldn't have done it because... Ryan Tannehill playing well for three games in the postseason probably wasn't going to happen. And Derrick Henry wasn't healthy. And there were all sorts of challenges out there. But the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year, in my opinion, if they keep Josh Allen healthy and if the defense stays reasonably healthy. Because this is an elite team. And I think Josh Allen, I know how tough the loss was last year, the Bills, Uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. They had no business losing that game. Sorry to bring it up, Bills fans. But Josh Allen, I said this right after that game, is going to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo. The question is just how many. And I think this year is going to be year one. Um, And for the Titans, the window passed. The window is closed. Ryan Tannehill is like the 16th or 17th best quarterback in the NFL. Titans are mediocre. The AFC South is a disaster. So you may get to host a home playoff game, but there's no way Ryan Tannehill is winning three different playoff games. Uh, And that's only if you win the AFC. And so as you break all of this down, to me, there is no way to defend any other result last night than this was like two ships passing in the night. The Bills are going to be elite for years and years to come. The Titans window is closed. It's time to go back to the drawing board. 
figure out who the quarterback is of the future, maybe even move on from Derrick Henry and get something for him this year while you still can uh, because this offensive line is a joke. They've wasted a lot of first-round picks. The most frustrating thing last night to me, Stephon Diggs, three touchdown catches. They had him going one-on-one against a dude for the Titans who was an undrafted rookie free agent cornerback. Now, congratulations to that guy for making the team as an undrafted rookie free agent corner. The fact that he was one-on-one against Stephon Diggs last night was highway robbery and indefensible. On the one 50-yard touchdown catch that made it 24-7, to the Bills ISO'd him and were just like, yeah, he got no help over the top. We're throwing to Stephon Diggs. And he beat him by like eight yards, which is hard to do in the NFL. I mean, it wasn't even remotely close. Uh, and it was unfair to put him in that position. So congratulations to the Bills. I believe they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Titans are going to go, you know, 6-11, and 7-10, something like that. Next three weeks are joke teams. Uh, but they could completely fall apart and be in contention. Colts aren't good. Jags are still young. And uh, the Texans are not good. So it's an awful division. We'll see what ends up happening. Vikings, Eagles. I think the Vikings are going to be okay. But the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC East right now. Jalen Hurts has made a massive step forward, combining Devontae Smith and now A.J. Brown and being able to put those guys together is dynamic in the passing game. Jalen Hurts has continued to evolve and get better. Credit to him for the hard work there. Um, And he has become a legitimate threat in the passing game now that he has some big-time wide receiver talent to be able to throw the football to. Eagles are better than the Cowboys right now. Uh, We'll see what happens with the Giants, who are sitting at 2-0. Congratulations to them. The Commanders and Carson Wentz are a joke. They're no good. Um, And so I like the Eagles' chances, given where we're sitting right now, to potentially win this division. I actually think it'll come down to the Giants or the Eagles because the Giants are starting to get a little bit more confidence as they move forward and continue to find ways to win football games. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I'm more confident right now in Jalen Hurts than I am in Daniel Jones, but I do love what we're seeing out of Saquon so far and how elite his performance looks finally if he can continue to come back from the injuries that he had. Uh, So that is my analysis, Monday Night Football, as we look at what happened there. I want to tee off on this. I don't know how many of you saw this story, but Buck Sexton actually shared it with me because I didn't even see it. This is how crazy the left wing in this country has gotten. The Atlantic, which is by and large a left wing uh, magazine online site, I don't spend a lot of time reading The Atlantic, They had a story that went up, and the headline is, Separating Sports by Sex Doesn't Make Sense. And it says, Though school sports are typically sex-segregated, a new generation of kids isn't content to compete within traditional structures. Okay, if you have unisex sports, let me be honest with you. That is, if you eliminate, let's say, women's basketball and just make a basketball sport exist. And if you eliminated women's soccer, and you just had soccer exist, no women would make the teams. The fact that we have these sociologists 
writing articles about sports who have no basic understanding of sports at all. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. No WNBA player could play on a high-level college men's basketball team. In fact, I think good boys' high school teams, these are high school boys' teams, would crush whoever the NBA champ, WNBA champion is this year. That is, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old boys would crush the greatest women's basketball players right now who just won a championship in the WNBA. I don't know who those players are. They would get destroyed by top high school teams in America. It wouldn't be remotely close. And women's soccer. Everybody brags about the U.S. women's soccer team. And I give them credit. They are World Cup champions. They weren't good enough to beat 15-year-old boys in high school in Dallas, Texas. A team of under 15-year-olds crushed the U.S. women's soccer team and prep for their World Cup competitions. What I'm saying here is pretty clear, and I think anybody who's played athletics at any kind of level understands it. If you eliminated women's basketball and you eliminated women's soccer and you just had unisex teams representing schools, no women would make the soccer team and no women would make the basketball team. Men are way better than women. This is somehow, and when it comes to athletics, okay, this has somehow become unacceptable to say, even though it's unbelievably true. And I read this article and I couldn't believe some of the statements. Those sex differences in sports, I'm reading from The Atlantic, those sex differences in sports show advantages for men. Researchers today still don't know how much of this is to is to, to attribute to biological difference versus the lack of support provided to women athletes to reach their highest potential. I read things like this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You think the reason that men are faster than women is because women athletes don't have enough support to run faster? You think the reason why Ray Lewis is a dude is because there wasn't a women's linebacker who received the same ability and training as Ray Lewis did at the linebacker position, these people are crazy, okay? These people are completely crazy. And the people who write these articles and share them don't understand basic biology or sports. Here's another quote. Michaela Musto, an assistant sociology professor at the University of British Columbia, says, and this is a quote from her, Part of the reason why we have this belief that boys are inherently stronger than girls and even the fact that we believe gender is a binary is because of sport itself, not the other way around. No, the reason why we believe men are stronger than women is because men are stronger than women. It's not because of anything else other than that fact, okay? And this is craziness. And what it really represents is there is a clear attempt to eliminate biology in the left wing in this country. They want to argue that men can get pregnant, 
that if you are a dude who decides to identify as a woman, that you should be able to compete in women's sports like we just saw happen with Leah Thomas and potentially become the greatest women's athlete of all time. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. Biologically, this is indisputable. There would be virtually zero women's Olympians if there was one unisex competition standard, for instance, in the Olympics. Not only would no women win medals, they almost wouldn't exist at all as athletes. I keep waiting for feminists to rise up and say, let's defend women's athletics, let's defend Title IX, but they're so afraid of being labeled anti-transphobic that we have total and complete lies masquerading as fact in places like the Atlantic. And I will just point out that in the world of sports, there's almost no one outside of OutKick that will even talk about how crazy and out of insane mind all of this is. There are good athletes for women. They deserve money and attention. All of the women's athletes that are famous would never make any men's team, period. Serena Williams may well be the greatest women's tennis player of all time. She wouldn't be able to make most men's college tennis teams. She probably isn't one of the 10,000 best tennis players in the world right now because the 10,000 best tennis players are all male. She would be absolutely destroyed if she played against the 3,000th best men's tennis player. Doesn't mean Serena Williams is not a good tennis player. It just means she is a fraction as good as she would be if she were competing against men. In fact, Serena Williams and Venus Williams would have never been able to go pro if there was only a unisex tennis championship. They would never have been able to play in a Grand Slam tournament if there was only a unisex championship. They would never be on center court at Wimbledon. They would never have won on the red clay at Roland Garros. They would not be multiple U.S. Open champions, and they would never have gone under to Australian Open and won championships there either. That's not sexism. That's reality. That's biology. Biology is sexist. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. That's the reality. Doesn't mean, by the way, that there aren't some some women out there that are better than some men. That happens. A lot of dudes suck at playing basketball, and there are women in the WNBA who are way better than them. That happens. A lot of dudes suck at tennis, and there are a lot of women who are way better than them. But professional athlete level, college athlete level competition, there is no comparison. Arguments like these are so insanely dumb that they would essentially end all women's athletics. And if you think that this is not becoming a major talking point, you're missing out on what's going on. Right now, Joe Biden, Joe Biden is trying, trying to put in brand new Title IX rules, which would mean that your gender identity is a protected class. That is, if I decided I was a chick, I would be able to compete against women in college 
and no one out there would be able to argue against it, which would mean that a lot of women's championships would be won by dudes who are deciding that they are suddenly women. It's got to stop. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Um, data out there that I think is significant. Uh, Washington Post has a story about the fact that no, by and large, parents of young children are getting them the COVID shot. Why is that? Why are parents overwhelmingly rejecting the COVID shot? According to a Washington Post article uh, that I linked online under my name at Clay Travis earlier today. You know, 99.8% of all parents of young children uh, have refused to get them the COVID shot in Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi. 99.8%. These are parents of six-month to five-year-olds. Young kids have had the right to get the COVID shot since June. We are now approaching October, and 99.8% of parents have said no to the COVID shot in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. 95% of parents have said no to the COVID shot nationwide. That is, only 1 in 20 of parents with kids who are eligible to get the COVID shot are doing it anywhere in this country for six-month to five-year-olds. Why is that? Because parents make the most rational decisions possible when it comes to the health of their own kids. And parents overwhelmingly, white, black, Asian, and Hispanic, recognize that the COVID shot is garbage and that it provides virtually no help to children and has risks associated with, uh, with it that does not exist, by and large, for young kids who mostly have all had COVID already. Uh, and so, I'm going to continue to hammer this drum and, and reiterate it over and over and over again. Every single dollar that Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson made off these COVID shots that don't work like we were told they work should be refunded to the American taxpayer. They are lemons. These are broken COVID shots. The American taxpayer funded them and gave massive multi-billion dollar profits to these companies for products that don't work. Every single profitable dollar that Moderna and Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer got for these shots should be returned to the American taxpayer. And every single individual who lost a federal job, military, working in uh, state, federal uh, governments, anybody who was fired over their refusal to get the COVID shot in New York City, by the way, just fired 850 teachers this week. Every single one of them should get their job back with back pay funded by the profits from these COVID shots that don't work. Uh, but the fact that parents are overwhelmingly rejecting these COVID shots, 95% of them nationwide, 99.8% 
in Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi is perfect evidence that while they may not say it, they know what the data reflects, and these shots are virtually worthless, especially for young, healthy people. Uh, A couple of uh, Georgia election race updates. You guys know I've been following along with Herschel Walker and Brian Kemp, uh, governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp running against Stacey Abrams, and Herschel Walker running against Senator Warnock. Georgia is turning deep red. And uh, Republicans are going to sweep across the entire state as long as people go out and vote. Brian Kemp, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, has opened up an eight-point lead over Stacey Abrams. Uh, The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has Herschel Walker with a two-point lead. I'm telling you, Herschel Walker is going to win. Uh, Marist also came out with a poll. In the Marist poll... Brian Kemp has an 11-point lead over Stacey Abrams. This is an absolute landslide that is building in Georgia, the beginnings of what may be a red wave 49 days from today. Uh, Now, there is, according to Marist, a two-point deficit for Herschel Walker in that race. I don't buy that. If Brian Kemp is up 11, Herschel Walker is going to win comfortably. If Brian Kemp is up eight, Herschel Walker is going to win comfortably. There's not going to be more than a five-point difference in this race. Brian Kemp and Herschel Walker are both, in my opinion, going to win in the state of Georgia. Uh, Biden. Did you guys see this disastrous interview that Joe Biden did with 60 Minutes? He managed to say that the U.S. would go to war with China over Taiwan. It was immediately walked back. He said the COVID pandemic was over. It was immediately walked back. The COVID pandemic is over, by the way, and it's been over for anyone with a functional brain who actually looked at the data by, at the latest, the summer of 2020. My family has been living completely normally since April of 2020. I feel sorry For all of these people out there who gave up years of their life to COVID, we've been flying on airplanes since May of 2020. We traveled in April of 2020 down to the beach and hung out there for a month in Florida. My family has lived no different since April or May of 2020 because I looked at all the data, sat down with my kids, said we weren't in danger, we were going to be fine, and as a result, I don't really feel like my life is any different today than it has been in the past. There's about 30% of the American public that had their brains broken by COVID. They don't know how to analyze risk, and they're furious right now at Joe Biden for saying that COVID is over. The president was right. COVID is over, but he can't convince his own party that that's true. Plus, he's still using emergency powers associated with COVID to try to cancel out potentially a trillion dollars in uh, student loan debt to try and get OSHA to extend, although it was struck down, uh, the CDC eviction moratorium to try to mandate that everybody in America get these COVID shots even though they didn't work. All of this is failure. Biden also couldn't answer whether he's going to run again in 2024. I think we're going to see a red wave. I still believe it is going to happen. 49 days out, I think Democrats are going to lose Senate races in Nevada, in Arizona, 
and in Georgia. I think Republicans pick up those three. Um, and I believe Ron Johnson's going to win in Wisconsin and Dr. Oz is going to win in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. So my prediction right now is that Republicans are going to have 53 Senate seats at least. I also think Washington is a state to pay attention to. Colorado in the Senate is worth paying attention to. Uh, and certainly New Hampshire is a state that is worth paying attention to as we see exactly how things may break down. Carrie Lake is going to win in Arizona uh, in, a, uh, in a highly contested race uh, that is also worth uh, paying attention to. Uh, Joe Biden also said that inflation was not that big of a deal, managing to sound so utterly tone deaf that it was disastrous for his policies. And he also wasn't able to even defend that his cognitive functions continue to work because, frankly, sadly, they don't. Uh, all of that from one 60 Minutes interview, which wasn't even live, and was his first sit-down interview in seven months. And they had cleanups everywhere. I've said it. I'll continue to say it. The more Joe Biden talks, the better it is for Republican chances in uh, November. Uh, finally, uh, there's talk that there are going to be more immigrants shipped in potentially to Delaware. Keep it coming because it maintains the conversation on the border, which is a disaster. Over 2 million people have come in during this fiscal year, uh, and uh, that is an all-time high. Over 5 million illegal entries since Joe Biden became president. And to me, the Martha's Vineyard story was a perfect illustration and embodiment of why woke white people are the worst human beings in America today. Because woke white people are wealthy and privileged and they advocate for things that doesn't actually impact their life while hectoring you and claiming that they are more virtuous than you are, than white, black, Asian, and Hispanic hardworking people are out there in the country. Think about this. Woke white people said, oh, we've got to shut down schools. It isn't safe to keep them open. But then woke white people put their kids in private schools and opened them or paid for tutors and had pods to allow their kids to maintain their educations. They wanted poor kids to have to go to school remotely. Their kids overwhelmingly went to school in person. Woke white people said, oh, we've got to stop going into work. We've got to all work from home, even though huge percentages of the American public can't work from home. Woke white people got to sit at home and sit on their Wi-Fi and order food delivered to their house and argue that it made them virtuous. Meanwhile, if you had to go out and work at a grocery store or a gas station or you were a police officer or a firefighter, you didn't have the luxury of getting your full pay while sitting at home and not having to work anywhere near as hard. Woke white people failed there. Woke white people are also in favor of open borders until those immigrants, as we saw at Martha's Vineyard, actually show up on the island where the woke white people live. Then they call in humanitarian aid and ask the police and the National Guard to take care of all these illegal immigrants and immediately deport them from the island and take them back to the mainland. And of course, maybe most uh, paramount here, woke white people argued 
we had to defund the police, even though they never defunded the police in their rich parts of town. By and large, they kept their police, but they argued that inner city, white, black, Asian, Hispanic people, they didn't deserve police. They needed to defund the police. And as crime has skyrocketed, they suddenly are looking around and saying, who could have predicted this? Woke white people destroyed public education during COVID. They shut down businesses and overwhelmingly crushed our economy. They uh, defunded the police and argued that it was social justice necessary. And they also have supported open border policies as long as the immigrants don't show up in their communities. Woke white people and what happened in Martha's Vineyard is a perfect approximation and epitomization of why they are the worst people in the United States and should be repudiated and rejected soundly by everyone, white, black, Asian, and Hispanic. The woke are our enemy, if you have an ounce of sanity. I am Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you. I'll put up my gambling picks tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be in Knoxville on Saturday, uh, and I cannot wait to watch Tennessee play against Florida. We'll talk about that tomorrow. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.